you would open your Bibles this evening to a couple of scriptures. First one is Psalm 119, verse 130. Then over to Acts 26 and 18. Psalm 119, verse 130, Acts Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Then Acts 26 and 18, Paul speaking, to open, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And then Romans 10 and 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This evening I want to preach to you an aha moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord, that we can be found in your house. Lord, we realize, oh God, that your word is full of treasure, oh Lord Jesus, full of things, oh Lord God, that we're even yet to understand. And yet, Lord, you desire, oh Lord Jesus, to show us these things. You desire, oh Lord, line upon line and precept upon precept to add to our understanding of you, Lord, that we may come to know you, Jesus, in your fullness. Oh Lord God, I pray this evening that your hand would be upon me, Lord Jesus, as I share this thought. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had an aha moment? The penny suddenly drops and that problem, situation or that vague instruction that you had been stumped with and scratching your head with unexpectedly clicks into place like a jigsaw puzzle and the solution or the understanding becomes crystal clear. Aha! If you were a cartoon character, a luminous light bulb would appear above your head. This sensation is called an insight and has been labelled as an aha moment. Aha moments are also known as the eureka, or the eureka effect or, or moment. The word eureka is an exclamation used to celebrate a discovery. The sudden realisation or discovery is often accompanied with an emotion of euphoria or success. But these moments can also be accompanied with other emotions, depending on the type of information that has been discovered. Aha moments are not usually forgotten and stay with the individual for a very long time because of the close connection they have with our emotions. Aha moments are extremely unique to each individual. What may be an aha moment for you may just be common knowledge to the rest of us. What one person may find difficult to understand, another grasps quickly. 
Oftentimes when we have trouble comprehending something, if we stop thinking about it and go and do something else, it's not long after that we have that light bulb moment and the understanding becomes clear. Aha moments happen when we see old information in a new way. I remember a certain four-year-old announcing quite excitedly that the day you have your birthday is the same day you were born on. What was this child's epiphany, a moment of sudden and great revelation, was common knowledge to the rest of us. It was old information, yet this child had made a great discovery. The sudden realisation that you've double-booked yourself is also an aha moment, but more accurately an oh-no moment. These moments are generally not accompanied with such joyous emotions, perhaps because this discovery usually presents problems rather than solutions. These revelatory moments in life are not only a part of our natural existence, but they are a part of our whole existence. What takes place in our mind transcends the physical. Our brain is not only our information processing unit, it is the central control room that allows us to move, see, hear, smell, taste and think. It's our hard drive where we store and process information. The way we think is often formed by experiences, experiences and information that we have taken on board. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 verse 7 a. Hey. The word heart in the scripture often refers to the center or the core of a person, not the literal organ that pumps, that pumps the blood around our bodies. Our mind is the gateway to our heart and the heart is, the, is, is who we are, our character and our personality attributes. So if a thought dwells in your mind or sits in the gate long enough, it will get through to your heart and become a part of who you are. That is why there is great emphasis in the, script, in the scripture to protect our heart by protecting our mind in what we see and hear. Psalm 101 verse 3a says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. We have heard it said many times, you are what you eat. This is not only true for our physical bodies, but whatever you feed your thoughts, you will become. The battle is lost or won in our heads. The weapons of a warfare cannot be physical because physical weapons, bombs and guns, cannot protect against thoughts and what happens in our minds. The weapons of a warfare must be ones that affect how we think. Filling our heart or mind with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and giving thanks to the Father in the name of Jesus, contradicting or, or coming against evil thoughts with pure thoughts. Ephesians 5.19 and Philippians 4 and 8. We can only separate our natural thoughts with spiritual thoughts as we learn the word of God. The Bible tells us, tells us that they are contrary one to another. But just as we can get an aha moment about the things that have to do with our natural lives, like the fact that your birthday is on the same day you were born on, we can have aha moments about the things to do with our spiritual lives. These aha moments are times when we have sudden insight and understanding of a biblical precept or principle that we couldn't quite grasp before. 
Both natural and spiritual aha moments change our perspective and have the potential to bring about change in our lives. It depends on what you do with the insight that you have been given. The Bible is full of aha moments. In fact, it's not only an account of the history of humanity, but a compilation of individual aha moments from Genesis to Revelation as we see God's interactions with humanity and their sudden insights into the different aspects of his character pertinent to their situations or circumstances. The Bible uses different language to describe aha moments, such as he came to himself, opened he their understanding, and their eyes were open, just to name a few. The Bible also contains promises of aha moments or greater insight to who God is to those that are willing to seek after him. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And Hebrews 11 and 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The aha moments we read about can also become aha moments for us when we identify what took place so long ago with what is happening in our very own lives. The beauty of these moments is that we can read or hear scripture a hundred times or know the story inside out and just see it at face value. Then one day we, we, we read it or hear it preached and suddenly we receive new insight on that particular passage. We see a different layer that we didn't know was there and we receive understanding and clarity that we did not have before. It doesn't change the scripture. It doesn't twist it to mean something else. It's just a fresh or deeper understanding of what is being said and how it applies to our lives. I have chosen but a few aha moments to share with you this evening. Jacob's experience at Bethel was an aha moment for him. He had been raised to believe in God as his father Isaac, Jacob grew up hearing the story of how God had spoken to his grandfather, Abraham, and had given him grand promises that pertained to his family and how they would not be able to be numbered like the stars of heaven and the sand of the sea, promises of a great land that would belong to them, stories of entertaining angels and temporary manifestations of God. As a young boy, Jacob looked forward to hearing them, but as he got older, I imagine hearing them again was a chore of long-suffering. But all that changed in one moment of time. On his way to Haran to stay with his uncle for a while, Jacob has a dream. And in that dream, he sees angels ascending and descending a ladder, and at the top of that ladder stood the Lord himself. And the Lord declared the same promises to Jacob that his father had spoken over him before he left, and the same promises he had heard recounted as a boy that God had given his grandfather. When Jacob woke up, he was not only in awe of what he'd just experienced, but he viewed the information he was given as a child in a new light. This was an aha moment for him. He saw something old in, a t- in an entirely different way. This experience with God had given him insight into the stories his grandfather told him. The things he took lightly before had become real to him in that moment in time. 
And Jacob's aha moment filled him with awe and reverence and caused him to build an altar and worship God. And he called that place Bethel, which means the house of God. The prodigal son had an aha moment when he came to himself in a pig pen. He had sunk so low that even the pig slop he was feeding to the pigs looked good enough to eat. He had come from a rich farming family. Everything he needed was on hand. His father was not abusive but loving and caring and would do anything for his two boys. They were educated, well off and loved. When his father died, although the eldest would inherit the farm, the youngest son would would come into a healthy sum of money and he would be set for life. But for whatever reason, the son decided he wanted his inheritance before the death of his father. I'm sure there was much dialogue and reasoning before the father handed his youngest son his inheritance and the boy left home. At first, when the money was plenty and the economy was providing decent dividends, the good times rolled. He had money and he had popularity. With his friends by his side, the drinks were on him. Then one day, there was no more money. The economy crashed and a famine came to the land. The friends who he had provided for in the high times deserted him and he found himself without a home, without an income and without any kind of support. He made arrangements with the man who had a pig pig farm and the man gave him a job tending pigs. The conditions weren't great but these were tough times and at least he had a roof over his head. We're not given the amount of time the prodigal son spent in the pig pen but we do know it was long enough to allow him to desire eating pig food and for him to begin thinking about home. He was hungry, really hungry. And when you're really hungry, you eat things you never considered eating before. And he had reached that point. And perhaps then he began thinking about his job, working for someone else, feeding their pigs in horrible conditions. And that may have led his mind to start thinking about his father's servants. And at that point, that he has an aha moment. The Bible says he came to himself. The young man suddenly realised that that the servants in his father's house had it a hundred times better than he did. They ate well, they were clothed and well taken care of by their master. He was remorseful for his attitude, his treatment of his father and the waste he was responsible for. This sudden insight into his situation motivated his decision to go home and ask dad to forgive him and ask for a job as a servant. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Of the Ten Commandments, Jesus told him to keep the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, and the fifth. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, and honour your mother and father. And he added, love your neighbour as yourself. To which the young man responds, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? As Jesus did not go through the Ten Commandments and only pulled out half of them, the young man perhaps sensed that there was something else that had not been accomplished. And he pressed Jesus for more information. As Jesus gave him the instruction to sell all that he had and give it to the poor and follow me, the young man had an aha moment and he was filled with remorse. The insight he received was that he had not obeyed all the commandments. 
His riches had become a priority and his life revolved around them instead of God. His aha moment revealed the depths of his heart and to correct it, it required more of him than he was willing to give. Another aha moment took place when Jesus asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? As the others answered Jesus, the cogs began to turn in Peter's mind. He had seen Jesus do things that no other man could do. He had heard Jesus teach like no other man taught. And, he, and the way Jesus dealt with the Pharisees without fear and with authority. And while Simon thought on these things, Jesus asked the questions, But whom do you say that I am? And it's this very moment that the lights went on in Peter's head and he answers, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Did Simon Peter come up with it himself? No. Jesus said God had revealed it to Peter. The Spirit of God guided Peter's thoughts and brought all the bits of information that Peter had about Jesus and fit them together like a puzzle. Peter's aha moment was, gen- was generated... Sorry. Peter's aha moment generated the Eureka effect as he indeed had made a great discovery. Unfortunately, he misunderstood the mission of the Christ, the anointed body of the living God. The aha moment about this came after the resurrection when Jesus opened the disciples' understanding and they received clarity and insight into the reason why he came. King David had an aha moment, which was more like an oh no moment when the prophet Nathan came to visit. King David committed a series of transgressions against God, one after the other, and somehow he thought he'd got away with it. That was until the prophet Nathan tells him a story about a rich man stealing a poor man's lamb to feed his guests. King David is affected by the injustice in the story and condemns the rich man to death. And it's at that point that Nathan reveals the truth about his little story and says to David, you are that man. In his aha moment, King David realizes, I have sinned against the Lord. David's light bulb moment causes him to, be, to come to a place of great repentance, which is recorded in Psalm 51. Our opening texts this evening all speak of aha moments. Psalm 119 verse 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses. The theme for Psalm 119 is the Word of God. All but two verses talk, sorry, all but two verses are dedicated to praise of or exhortations to read and examine the Word of God. There are verses that urge us to give it proper reverence and it contains prayers for its proper influence and also the complaints of the wicked for despising it. The longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible. Psalm 119, 130 talks about how the preached word of God can bring us to a spiritual aha moment. The word entrance is translated from a Hebrew word that literally means opening. To open something is to expose it. And this is what the preached word does. 
it opens the scripture. It exposes its meaning and explains it to us, to, to us at a level we can understand. And with understanding comes light. The word light comes from a Hebrew word that means to make luminous or light up. And we know that an aha moment is referred to a light bulb moment, which is also a moment of illumination. Incorporating the aha moment into this scripture, we could paraphrase it to say, the preaching of God's word brings aha moments that even the simplest of people are able to understand. However, allowing the insight to change the way we think or who we are is up to us. Remember the rich young ruler. He would never forget his encounter with Jesus and the words that brought insight to the state of his heart. Yet he did not allow his aha moment past the gates of his mind. He liked his life just the way it was. The preacher is an important part of having the word of God explained to us. Not because a person exalts himself to that position, but because God calls them and places them in our lives. Ephesians 4 and 11 talks about the gifts that God has given to mankind. The Amplified Bible paraphrases it this way. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some apostles, which are special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak new messages from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. God uses apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to expound his word, each one coming from a different angle and adding to our under adding to our understanding, giving us insight and and that sensation of our aha moment that has the potential to change our very core. It is the method of preaching that scripture can become alive and real to us. The preached word can bring us to an aha moment that may be a place of instruction, the rich young ruler, a place of conviction, King David, a place for correction, the prodigal son, and a place of instruction in righteousness. Peter coming to an understanding who Jesus is. It gives us insight into who we are without God and it brings understanding to us about who God is and what he desires from us. The word of God is alive and powerful and is able to perform surgery on our hearts, getting into those hard-to-reach places which we hide from everyone else. Only the word of God can divide our soul and spirit and discern between our thoughts and intentions. The Apostle Paul describes the purpose of the preached word of God in Acts 26 and 18 to open their eyes, to bring them to an aha moment and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by their faith that is in me. Peter's message on the day of Pentecost brought about an aha moment that began the church and to this day still generates aha moments that bring the greatest change in a person's life that could ever take place. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was quite a spectacle. The 120 had gathered in the upper room to wait for the promise of the Father and they began to speak in languages that they had not learned before as the Holy Ghost moved on them. This caused quite a stir amongst the multitudes that had come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost and a crowd gathered to see what was going on. Some were amazed as they understood that these uneducated people from Galilee 
were magnifying, in, magnifying God in languages that they couldn't possibly know. Others mocked and dismissed the phenomenon by saying they were drunk. It was at that point that Peter stood up and with the 11 other disciples, he began preaching in defense of what they had experienced by using Old Testament scripture. Peter showed the people through the scripture how Jesus, whom they had crucified, was indeed the God of the Old Testament, enrobed in flesh, the Messiah that Israel had been waiting for. At this point, all the information that the people knew and that Peter was reiterating to them by the anointing of the Holy Ghost clicks together like pieces of a puzzle and the light goes on and an aha moment takes place. Their eyes are open and they're convicted by what they hear. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The preached word gave them the aha moment which brought them to a place of conviction and a place of instruction. What shall we do? Jesus told Peter that he would be given the keys to the kingdom. What that actually meant, Peter probably had no idea. In fact, he probably spent much time thinking about it and it would leave him, it would leave him scratching his head every time. But when the people asked, what shall we do? Peter had an aha moment of his own. Caused by the anointing of God, he gives them the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Keys give you access to something, to a room, a house, a car, a treasure where the door is locked. Without the keys, you cannot enter and take advantage of what is behind the door. Others, come, others have come and tried to change the keys. Unfortunately, you can't change the keys unless you change the lock. The keys of the kingdom remain the same. The thoughts and ideas of humanity and an ever-changing society can give you different keys, but they can't change the lock. God is the only one that can change the lock and his word is settled in heaven. It does not change to suit society, culture or the ever-changing precepts of this world. It cannot be changed by church councils and neither can it be changed by church bodies to suit the agenda of the day. Although the ideas of our world can change dramatically in such a short period of time, The fact that scripture cannot change enables us to use scripture to interpret scripture. An aha moment can be labelled from God if the insight received can be backed up with scripture and with the principles and themes taught within the scripture as a whole. The apostles used the Old Testament to preach Jesus Christ and bring people to the knowledge and understanding of who he is and what he did for them and what they must do to take advantage of that. Using Old Testament scripture, they brought people to an aha moment from every walk of life, bond and free, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor. The keys given to Peter did not contradict what Jesus taught. In fact, it summed it up nicely. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost are the keys that open the door to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in John 3 and 5, Most assuredly, 
I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. To enter, you must come through the door. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus also said in Mark 16 and 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The book of Acts is where the church had its beginnings. The apostles all used the keys as they were given to Peter as they spread the gospel. The epistles were letters written to the churches that were started in the book of Acts using the keys, sorry, the book of Acts using the keys that Peter was given on the day of Pentecost. They were instructions, the epistles were instructions on how to go beyond the door, how to grow into a life of righteousness, what to leave behind and what to get a hold of. And how can we know these instructions, what these instructions are, whether for salvation or for instruction in righteousness, without the preached word of God and an aha moment in our lives? Romans 10 and 14 How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Without the explained word of God and an aha moment, how can we call on him in whom we have not believed? And without an aha aha moment caused by the preached word of God, how can we believe in him of whom we have not heard? And without the preached word of God, how can they or we have an aha moment that would turn us from darkness to light, turn us from the power of Satan unto God? Without that aha moment, how can we receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith? Without the preached word of God, how can we come to that aha moment that gives understanding even to the simplest? Amongst us. God bless you.